Hi, I'm Gary, and this is VV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles, and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be looking at what you need to know before you buy an EV. This season of the podcast is sponsored by ZapMap, the free-to-download app that helps EV drivers search, plan, and pay for their charging. Before we start, I wanted to remind everyone that we're running close to the season-ending roundtable episode. I'm fairly sure I know who'll be on the show, but I now want to know, what do you want us to talk about? Answers uh, in an email, please, evmusings at gmail.com. Our main topic of discussion today is thinking about getting an electric vehicle. Now, I've been in several conversations recently with people who are interested in getting an EV. What these conversations have shown me is that a lot of the information that people have about EVs prior to buying them is coloured by things they read on social media and in certain news publications. <coughs> Daily fail. <coughs> so, with so much fear, uncertainty and doubt being propagated across social media, how do you start to frame a discussion with someone who's keen to understand the detail behind the electric cars but doesn't have a baseline of knowledge? Well, you need to explain to them that EVs are the exact opposite of internal combustion engine, ICE cars. ICE cars are complex to drive and easy to fuel. EVs are computers on wheels, very simple to drive, but complex to charge. In addition to this, Conversation needs to be focused on whether people have off-road parking and can charge at home or will be at the mercy of the public charging infrastructure. So today I'm going to see if I can help anyone who's wanting to consider an EV by asking and answering some of the main issues or questions you'll probably have around electric vehicles. So let's start with a big one. I'm scared I'll run out of charge. Well, yeah, of course you are, because you've been in the situation with your phone where your battery's died and you aren't near a plug socket. It happens. But I would point out that on this very podcast, Edmund King, the president of the AA, indicated that the number of call-outs they get to people with flat EV traction batteries is roughly the same as the number of call-outs to people who've run out of petrol or diesel. It's not the car here that's the issue, it's the driver. If you've never run out of fuel in your Vauxhall Astra, then you'll probably not run out of electricity in your EV. So then we have the next one. I want a car that will do the same mileage as my current petrol car, 400 miles on a tank. Again, of course you do. But why do you want that? The simple reason is that places to fill your car with fuel are actually quite rare. There are only around 8,000 petrol stations in the UK. And petrol stations are the only place in the UK where you can legally fill a road car with petroleum products. There are 24,000 public charging locations. Yes, three times as many. Of course, you want a range long enough to ensure you'll be able to get to a petrol station when you need one. But reframe this a little. If I told you that Apple had created a new iPhone with a battery that lasts three weeks, but to recharge it, you'd have to visit your nearest Apple store and it would cost you £50 to recharge it. Tell me I was mad, wouldn't you? But that's exactly the situation with a fossil fuel car. You can do lots 
and lots of miles because you don't want to have to visit a petrol station every few days to fill up. But with an EV, you don't need a huge range because the majority of drivers have charging at home, just like with their phones. And yes, there are drivers without home charging, and we'll talk about them a little later. So then you say, but I like to travel to Scotland from Bournemouth every year for my holidays. I can do that without stopping in my Volvo diesel. Well, yes, that's right, you can. But did you really buy a diesel Volvo with 600 miles of range so that you could do your once a year trip to Scotland without refueling? Especially as you probably had to stop at least once on that 10 hour drive to eat or go to the toilet. Well, I don't think you really did buy one for that reason, did you? Because that's an outlier journey. The truth is that the majority of journeys are easily within the range of current electric vehicles. In fact, I'm on my second EV. My first had a range of around 100 miles. And in three years, I took individual trips that needed public charging on around 12 occasions. And that's in 30,000 miles. In my latest EV with 200 miles of range, I've done so twice in nine months. And one of those was to test the actual range of the car itself. There are people such as Cleveley EV Mobile and Lakes Eco Van Deliveries who cover 50,000 miles a year right across the UK and have no issues doing that in vehicles without huge ranges. Lakes Eco Van uses a vehicle with a range around 150 miles, so it can be done. And the final thing that gets put forward is the cost issue. They're too expensive. Again, you're right. Or, or are you? Do you currently buy brand new cars personally? Well, if you do, do you spend 25,000 or more on one? Well, if you do, then the MG4, fully electric, about a 200 mile range, well within your price range. Now, if you don't buy brand new yourself and prefer to go secondhand, then there are fewer EVs in that market than there are fossil fuel or internal combustion engine cars. But even then, it doesn't mean you can't get one. I mean, I've never bought a brand new car in my life. The first car I ever bought uh, was a 20-year-old one that had had six previous owners. But I'm on my second new EV, and I got it via leasing. You can also get some fantastic deals via salary sacrifice. See episode 152 for more on that from people like John Burdeking. Or you could go the subscription route and get a car for a single month Delivered, insured, fully charged for a single set amount. Extend it on a monthly basis or swap it out for another whenever you want. I've said it before, but podcast co-founder Simon went from a £500 per month loan for a BMW i3 to around £470 a month for a car, insurance, servicing and charging via subscription. Couple the monthly subscription or lease cost against the savings from not buying expensive fossil fuels, and you'll soon find that the total cost of owning the car is much lower than buying and running a similar internal combustion engine car. So what if you don't have home charging? Not having home charging means you can never have an electric car. Actually, that's complete rubbish. It means nothing of the sort. I know several people who don't have home charging and manage very successfully to operate an EV. But not having a home charger does make it more difficult than charging at home. But it's not always as big a problem as you might think. 
it all depends on what the local charging infrastructure is like. I know one person, friend of the podcast, Maz Shah, who doesn't have home charging, but he lives in Milton Keynes and they've invested heavily in local charging infrastructure, so he doesn't have an issue finding anywhere to plug in. Likewise, podcast co-founder Simon lives in a flat with no charger. He's in the Hitchin area and he's managed to use local car park chargers, supermarket chargers and workplace charging to help him. But if you can't find any local chargers nearby, it might be worth looking at the EV equivalent of Airbnb for charging. This is a concept known as co-charger. We had co-charger founder Joel Teague on the podcast back in episode 139, I believe. So go and have a listen to that if you're interested. Basically, co-charger matches up people who need off-street charging with their EVs but don't have it with people who have off-street parking for their EVs but don't need it. Remember, with average ranges of EVs heading up to 200 miles and average daily journeys heading towards 20 miles, not every EV driver needs to charge their car every night. As a result, they can let other drivers use their charger on the days they don't really need it. CoCharger deals with all the billing and scheduling, so it's hassle-free. So let's say after all this you've decided that an EV is right for you. The first thing I would suggest is to look at the ones that you like. There are currently something like 70 different makes and models of EV that you can get in the UK. They range from the cheapest smart EQ42 coupe at a little over 22,000 to the 143,000 Porsche Taycan Turbo S Cross Turismo. So which one's for you? Well, you'll probably have an idea of the market segment of car you're looking for. Are you after a small runaround, family hatchback, an executive saloon, an estate car, a high-end sports car? Once you've isolated this, you'll be able to see what's available. Use sites such as evdatabase.org to help you identify what's out there. Link in the show notes. Now, ignore the price for now. We've covered things such as salary sacrifice, leasing, and subscriptions as a way of paying for them. The next thing you'll want to do is to look at the range. There are some fantastic ranges on cars in the market at the moment. But beware, these are what are called WLTP ranges. The WLTP range is a mythical range figure which occurs under ideal, controlled circumstances in a test environment. In other words, if all the planets are aligned, the driver's feeling well, and the Dow Jones is showing a 10% increase year on year, you'll get 250 miles from this car. But in reality, it's going to be less. Again, the evdatabase.org site that I mentioned uh, a moment ago will show you the real-life range. Now, don't think this is a cheat, because it isn't. Fossil fuel cars have exactly the same issue. They get an efficiency reading based on lab conditions, which is nearly always over-optimistic. Does your BMW 330 fuel injection really get 42 miles a gallon in everyday use? No, I don't think so. But here's where it starts to get interesting. I spoke to one woman who decided she wanted the Peugeot E208 because she was a fan of the car and liked the range on it. I advised her to be careful with any car from the Stellantis range because they're notoriously inefficient and the range is more of a suggestion than anything else. So my first suggestion to her was to find a vehicle that she wanted and to take a test drive. Now, when I say a test drive, I don't mean a 20-minute spin around the block with a salesman in the passenger seat. You want to get one of these cars for a couple of days, maybe a weekend or a long weekend. In those couple of days, you want to see what the local charging network is like. You want to do a commute to work and check out the charging there. See if anywhere has nearby destination charging. 
load the car with family, children, pushchairs, shopping. Check that it can work for you not only as an electric car, but as an actual car. If you already have a second car at home, even better, you can see what the strengths and weaknesses are for both vehicles. My second suggestion is to try some charging. Check to see if your car comes with a granny charger. That's the cable that allows you to plug into a three-pin uh, socket and charge, guaranteed slowly, but overnight. Download ZapMap to find chargers so you can see what's in your local area or near your place of work if they're different. Find a local charger and try it out. You might need an app or you might get one that lets you use a payment card. Check the episode back catalogue for details of how to deal with these. If you can do a longer journey in those couple of days, do so. See what the actual range is. If the display reads 120 miles when you start driving, what does it read when you've done, say, 20 miles? Is it 100? Or is it dropped down to, say, 95 or 90 or 85? My first EV, the Kia Soul, was very accurate with the range display. It would drop a mile of range for every mile driven. My new EV, the ID3, is a little less accurate in that aspect. I use the percentage indicator as a more accurate estimate now, approximately two miles for every percentage point dropped. But when looking at chargers, don't just focus on those shiny, big, rapid or ultra-rapid chargers that shoot loads of miles into your car in a short period of time. Look at AC chargers. They're usually the smaller post-light chargers where you'll have to connect your own cable, and you will probably have been given one of those with the car. And these are the secret source of making EVs work, regardless of whether you have home charging or not. Slower, constant charging while you're away from the car doing something else. It's the way to go. I was recently doing some work at an off-site location which had seven kilowatt chargers. I'd arrive early in the morning, plug in, spend all day there, up to about 13 hours, and return to a car that was fully charged up. I travelled home and returned the next day to rinse and repeat. As these chargers were also free, it wasn't costing me anything to do this. My 70-mile round trip was costing me as little as 40 pence per day purely because I was using cheap overnight charging at home. And if I wanted to take even more advantage of the free charging at the work site, which I didn't, I could have elected not to charge at home and done all my charging for free. But, you know, that's not how I roll. And there are chargers like this all over the place. Look for them when you're shopping or eating out or visiting the cinema or theatre or going to a gig. Railway stations have them now and they can be great if you commute via train but need your car to get to and from the station. Now, once you've had an EV for a couple of days and seen what can and can't be done, you'll be in a situation where you can then decide whether or not to take the next step. If you've found a car that has the right range for you, can do the trips you regularly do without needing to worry about charging, or can do the longer range trips without a problem, then you're in a much better situation than you were before you started looking at electric vehicles. Of course, once you've got your EV, uh, you'll need to know all about what to do as a newbie. So go back and have a listen to episode 161, the newbies episode, for more information. Link in the show notes. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with your listeners. The Queensland state government has unveiled plans to convert the Swan Bank Power Hub, site of a demolished coal generator and several generations of gas power plants, into a new green energy hub with a giant battery, as well as solar power and green hydrogen production. The plans to use the 1.2 gigawatt connection capacity at Swan Bank, near the city of Ipswich, west of Brisbane, and turn it into a clean energy hub. 
Swan Bank originally hosted two coal-fired power stations, Swan Bank A and B, which were closed in 2005 and 2012 respectively, and a number of small gas generators, Swan Bank C and D, that were closed in 2002 and 2004. Yet we like this, taking old fossil fuel assets and repurposing them to deal with renewable energy. It's a win-win for everyone. The EV Musings podcast is sponsored by Zapman, the go-to app for EV drivers in the UK, which helps EV drivers search, plan, and pay for their charging. Zapmap is free to download and use with subscription plans for enhanced features such as using Zapmap in car, on CarPlay, or Android Auto. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at MusingsEV. If you want to support the podcast and newsletter, please consider contributing to becoming an EV Musings patron. The link is in the show notes. Don't want to sign up for something on a monthly basis? If you enjoyed this episode, why not buy me a coffee? Go to coffee.com slash evmusings and you can do just that. ko-fi.com slash evmusings. Takes Apple Pay too. I have a couple of ebooks out there if you want something to read on your Kindle. So, you've gone electric. Is available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. So, you've gone renewable. Is also available on Amazon for the same 99p, and it covers installing solar panels, a storage battery, and a heat pump. Why not check them out? Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines. If you've reached this part of the podcast and are still listening, thank you. Why not let me know you got to this point by tweeting me at MusingCV with the words, something for the weekend? Hashtag, if you know, you know, nothing else. Thanks as always to my co-founder, Simon. You know, he was astonished to hear that an expose about his ongoing addiction to buying new personal electric vehicles has been published. Sure, he's bought several electric skateboards, a one wheel and a couple of electric unicycles, but who hasn't? It still doesn't give someone the right to publish scurrilous rumours about it. He's just glad it wasn't some worthy publication like Private Eye. <laughs> <Daily fail. laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye.